his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Thank you, Perry Woods. And yes, indeed, The Weekend Report is on your radio. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us once again. My name is Tony Colombo. I am here in studio this week with producer Jake, who is filling in for Frank. And, of course, my partner, Chris Arps, is once again connected through the marvel of modern technology somewhere in the St. Louis metro area in a nondescript building under 50 feet of concrete and steel in a building that you could never find, no matter how hard you ever tried to look. It is the ARPS compound, and uh, my partner is there again. Chris, how's it going, dude? I'm doing fantastic, and this is an inside joke between the three of us, um, especially to Jake. But, Jake, I just want you to know that I'm feeling fine. <laughs> That's good. I noticed you turned off your video on the Skype call. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I knew this... you'd probably be concerned. No, I was actually— that, no, I'm feeling fine. <laughs> no, yeah, normally was... he has the video going, yeah, and he's yeah. got some ridiculous background he that had... makes it look like he's in some, like— He had the arch in the background on this Yeah, it one. looks like he's in some— penthouse um yeah. I, I, yeah and he's you know he's there always he putting is. On, hey, there he's Yay. got it look at you look at you you look like you're hovering need, above the world that's my uh that's my uh cheap plug for me that's my newsmax set i yeah but well it's your new newsmax set then because i have seen your newsmax segments with the one where you're in the um what looks like to be like a, a, a an office apartment. Oh, like, you're giving yourself away because I haven't used that set in about three weeks. Really? So you haven't watched in at least at least three weeks. Well, there you go. Maybe not, but yeah. uh, I like it. I like that we are the guinea pig. I like that we are the testing grounds. Like you do it here on the Weekend Report, where only we can see it um, here here in the studio. And then you're like, okay, it works. Now I can go on Newsmax with it. I feel yeah, that's, that's what you honored. guys are for. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Speaking of Newsmax. We are going to talk to we are and guinea pigs. That's exactly right. Uh, we are going to talk to today Emerald Robinson, the White House correspondent for Newsmax, who is part of your panel, right? Every week, Chris, is that correct? Yeah, she joins the panel with us along with uh, three other quote unquote political all stars, and we discuss the uh, political <laughs> topics of the uh, day. Yes, Chris is uh, is is a national newsman now and has that regular hit on Newsmax TV every week. Uh, tell people the day and time. Uh, Wednesday mornings, it, the program is called Wake Up America with Rob Finnerty on Newsmax. And the panel is at 530, uh, 7 o'clock, 
6 o'clock and then 7 o'clock Central Time. Very cool. And it's uh, about 10 minutes, and then uh, the second hour is uh, two segments. So uh, Joe Biden finally has announced that he is going to give a press conference. Uh, is this coming Thursday? And we have had Emerald on the show before. We have had Christian Daytok, who is the White House correspondent for The Daily Caller, on the show in the past. And uh, it's great to talk to Emerald today because, you know, she's there in Washington, D.C. These these uh, press people have a, a familiarity with and, you know, they're used to being able to go into that press room and, and from time to time talk to the president, ask the president questions. And it's been very unique in Washington since uh, Joe Biden has been elected. And so I am very much looking forward to getting her take on you know how why it's been so long why she thinks the president has taken so long to talk to the press um why they decided to typically the president does not so if you're not into like the minutia of uh politics and the way the president deals with the press it, it is almost never a situation unless it's a scheduled event like a state of the union or something like that that the president will announce a press conference almost two weeks in advance and there's good reasons for that so it's everything about this is weird chris and i also find it very curious tony that this press conference is going to be during the day Mm -hmm. um usually something like this the president's first major uh, press conference is uh held in the evening so that you can get the most coverage um it held being during the day tells me uh, that they don't want him doing this press conference at night. And I think it plays into the fears and the worries and that some people have that Joe Biden is suffering from mental mm. decline. And as a lot of people who have had Alzheimer's or dementia, uh, people in their family who suffer from that, the disease seems to worsen um, in the evening. And so I, I think that's part of the reason why his first press conference is going to be in the afternoon. Yeah, and and those um, and and many times those types of situations uh, set in very slowly, you know. So it seems like it's not so bad or very manageable for a while, and then things um, continue to kind of slowly um, evolve. Not saying yep. that's what's going on with the president. Not saying that in any way. Just making a reference to the making a a non medical observation. Yes, to the to, to the uh, comment that you were that you were yeah. making there. Um, we've got a lot of news, a lot of stories to talk about today. We are also going to talk to our friend Gabe Pfeiffer, a.k.a. Gabe. St. John the Philosopher from the St. John the Philosopher YouTube channel. And we're going to talk to our friend James Knowles, the former mayor of Ferguson. Uh, we have our own mayoral uh, election happening here in the city of St. Louis, and there's some unique uh, things happening around this uh, campaign and this election. And uh, I thought it would be good to get uh, Mayor Knowles on today to get some sort of insight from somebody who has been through these type of elections and has campaigned for mayor in a city here yeah. in the metro area. And, and, and Tony, I think it'll be interesting just to find out what uh, the former mayor's up to. I totally agree. I totally agree. I know one of the things that that uh, Mayor Knowles always dealt with in Ferguson is, is been the, has been the headline here, or one of the headlines here at least in the city of St. Louis, and that has been the um, struggle for voter turnout. So I want to talk to uh, the mayor about topics like that. So that's uh, going to be good as well. Um, so got all those, you know, we've got all these national and local stories to talk about. 
But uh, I have a personal story <laughs> to start here at the be at the uh, beginning. Sorry of Sorry to show. laugh at. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I am I am probably more interested in your opinion on this than anyone else that I have talked to about it. Uh, I uh, was I got I my have vaccine. Three words to say as soon as you finish. <laughs> I got my vaccine this week. Yeah. Go ahead. What's your three words? You sold out. <laughs> <laughs> I was no way. I was I was a front I was a front of the line guy for the vaccine from day. Oh, on. I thought you were like when we were talking to Dr. Tobler those no. uh, weeks ago about it. I thought you were with me, kind of highly skeptical. No, and was going to wait for herd immunity. Where were you? What? No, yeah. go yeah, check. I'm waiting the tape. for herd immunity. Yeah, I know you are. Go check. Go <laughs> check the tape. I have always been a. I am. I mean, I'm. I've always been a wait my turn person. Yeah. But as soon as I'm okay. available, as soon as I was eligible, I was. Uh, I'm ready to go. Um, so it just. Tony, I'm hearing there's side effects though when you take the uh, shot. You know, sore arm. Um, you have chills. Um, you start making this sound. Bah, bah. <laughs> so I don't know. I've experienced. <laughs> I, I, my, I did. My arm's a little sore. I guess I did experience one of those things. I will say yeah, that arm I am, gets sore with every shot, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I am not a. Actually, this did kind of stand out because I am a person who is not a. I have no issue with shots. I have no issue with giving You know, having blood drawn, needles. It does not bother me. Um, and I typically don't, you know, th- I'm not saying like, oh, it doesn't hurt at all. I mean, obviously, there's a pinch and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I, shots don't bother me is my point. And I typically don't have very much of a reaction or, you know, there's any lingering effects at all. This one has been sore. My arm is more sore than really? I can remember after any other shots. It's not... I've, debilitating. I mean, I've experienced that too. It's I, like I, a four on it. I haven't been vaccinated yet, but back in it was March 2020, which is ironic that that happened. But uh, I caught myself a throat infection, so I went mm. to I went to the doctor and they gave me um so they gave me some oral steroids to help with the swelling and inflammation. But they started off with a shot. My arm was sore, like from yeah, you know, from where the needle went in down, and it was sore for a few days. And it, so I mean, I wonder if that happens in a lot of other shots. But yeah, just- so like my arm was sore, and a lot of people that I've talked to that got it, their arm was sore. But I haven't really heard too many people that have had too much more any more problems than that. And the reason I was able to get it is because there was a big opening at this week on Monday of this past week. Um, the state of Missouri went into a new phase, a new tier. Yeah. And that it, was my next question. I'm like, when did you turn 65, dude? How did you get no, a shot? No, no. On, on, if you know, you literally did not listen to the last time we talked to Dr. Tobler <laughs> on March 15th. All I can hear is just shot. No, I'm not doing it. Herd on, immunity. That's on, all I hear. On March 15th, which was this past Monday, this uh, here in Missouri, um, we went into a new tier and it opened up dramatically. It's it's everyone in communications. Um, it's everyone in, in any type of food service. Um, it's anyone in that, that works in any type of educational setting. Um, not just, not just teachers and staff, but anybody that works in a preschool or a. So basically if you, if you can fog up a mirror, you can get a shot. Now. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, like it's, it's pretty much anybody that deals with the public in any way. I think, um, I mean, it, like it, it opened up tremendously and, you know, I had, registered in in different places to you know get the vaccine 
And uh, I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday morning of this of this past week, I got a phone call early in the morning from a number I didn't recognize, so I didn't answer it. And uh, the voicemail was a person saying, here, we're calling to set up your vaccine. I was like, whoa, that's you, cool. <laughs> you know what, Tony? I'm going to be honest here because, you know, we're on the radio and, you know, we although we do have five listeners, um, <laughs> I don't want to send out the wrong impression about the shot or anything. To be honest with you, I, I will probably get the shot, but I'll probably be one of the very last yeah people to get it and i'm very hesitant about getting it right but i i probably will get it yeah I, you know what because of the way that people are you know react to um this topic and ever well just about every issue these days people are always looking for a reason to get upset uh, i'm glad you cleared that up you didn't need to clear that up because you've been very consistent on that <laughs> since day one that you have never been anti-vaccine you have just been i'll let i'll let you get it <laughs> and I'll see how I'll see how exactly. you how, and the, see how it and goes. the beautiful thing is that in this country that's fine. Yeah, you don't exactly. have to get it. Yeah, you've always yeah, but but in the cancel culture though, Jake, yeah, and with people people screaming at you if you're walking in a store or walking down the street without sure, a mask. Sure, sure, yeah. but the, so the difference between a whole new world the difference now. between me and uh, a majority of the victims of cancel culture is that I am not famous or a cartoon. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that if I decided not to get the vaccine, and I plan to eventually, nobody would really give me any grief, I don't yeah. think. Yeah, if you went on the air and publicly said it, though, you might. That you, is true. You never know. But yeah, but yo, Chris, you've been very consistent on that. You've always been like a I'll get in. I, I will get in line to get my vaccine, but I'm going to be at the end of the line. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to be one of the very, very last people yeah. to probably I, get it. I, I, the one thing, the one, we got to take a break because we need to talk to Emerald. But the one uh, last point that I'll make is, um, we, the w- one thing that is is another confusing layer, and there's been a lot of confusing layers of this whole, you know, every everything surrounding COVID, um, but I like everybody else that I've talked to. Everybody that I know personally that has received the vaccine has had to drive a fair length to get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had to drive to Hannibal, Missouri. Um, my in-laws had to drive it, – I can't remember what it was, like a 320-mile round, round trip to some place to get mm-hmm. it. Um so, My mom got her shot last week, and it was up at uh, Christian Hospital Northeast great. at the Dietrich Auditorium. Good, because that's how uh, it should be. Yeah. Yeah, they – well, you know, she's – you know, because she's a, uh, you know, cancer survivor and cancer patient, you know, she has regular appointments. And yeah. I get her her uh, emails, and they just said, hey, you're eligible. Would you like to sign up? I did for her. They gave us a, t- a date. And a place, which one of these dates are good for you? I pick one, and then, boom. Did she have any? Uh, what was her experience? She did. The first day, uh, she felt very, very tired after getting the shot, a little fatigue. And then just yesterday, seven days after getting the shot, she felt nauseous and uh, and and not feeling well. But today, she's feeling fine. Did she, do you think so that she that, has had some effects? Do you think that that uh, nausea was? related to the vaccine or could it have just been something else no i think it was related to the vaccine just for some of the side effects i looked up gotcha um she just had the side effects a week later when usually you're supposed to have them within the first seven days right right yeah well so far for me uh, a little bit of a sore arm and that's it and we get our second um we get our second vaccination in uh in three weeks so 
Yeah. Uh, we need to take a quick break, and uh, we will talk probably more about this and uh, all of the news of the day as the show goes on. But we're going to take this first break, and when we get back, we are going to talk to Emerald Robinson, the White House correspondent for Newsmax, and uh, get all the latest from D.C. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. of Perry Woods. Welcome back to the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Jake and my partner Chris Arps. And as we mentioned in that last segment, joining us now on the line is one of Chris's colleagues from <laughs> his big uh, national superstar platform that he is on now every week on Newsmax. Chris, introduce us to our guest. Emerald, I pay Tony to say all that, so I just want to get that, get that out of the way. But yeah, you know, but he is Tony. <laughs> yes, he is. yes, he is. On the line is uh, uh, Emerald Robinson. She is the White House correspondent for Newsmax, and I have the uh, pleasure of being with Emerald on a panel on Newsmax's Wake Up America program with Rob Finnerty on Wednesdays. And when you have a pretty dramatic week in Washington with everything going on with the politics, it's always great to have a White House correspondent insider Absolutely. to be able to uh, fire questions off to. So, Emerald, thank you for taking some time out of your schedule uh, on this weekend and talking to us. Yeah, of course. I love uh, It's nice to get to talk to you more than once a week, Chris. <laughs> great, great. Thank you. As you get to know him, that may change. Uh, <laughs> so, Emerald, obviously a lot happening in, I mean, you know, there's been a lot happening in a Washington, D.C. for the last four plus years, at least. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, the situation, the, the very unique situation that we are going through now with President Biden and his lack of press conferences, and now he finally announces one, but he announces it two weeks ahead of time, which is also strange, and he hasn't given a State of the Union yeah, address. Right. Um, you know, all this, you know, that uh, is surrounding the president in that, in that, on that topic. Um, being there, uh, part of that uh, press corps mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C., um, how... How strange has it been? How different has it been for you? And how do you what are your what are your thoughts on why President Biden has taken so long to do a press conference? Well, I think a great example of why it's taken so long is his uh, attempting to board Air Force One en route to Atlanta on Friday and falling, not tripping once but twice. And then ultimately falling on the steps aboarding yeah. Air Force One. Yeah. That was quite a startling moment. Yeah. And his referring to President Harris on Thursday during appearance at the White House talking about vaccines. So I heard that. I was watching that live. I was watching that live and kind of double take because I had it on in the background. Yeah. And 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 I I noticed that myself. I haven't. You know what, though? You're the first person I've heard talk about it. So it's you know it's it's one of those things that uh, um, yeah. you know the, the President Biden's um, issues are not always as highlighted by the media as 
as others. And and to your to your point, Emerald, we we talked to uh, former senator from here in Missouri, Jim Talent, uh, on this show mm-hmm. a, a week ago, and he had ma- he's made the point on on our air. And Jim is and Jim is a, a, a he is not a, a bomb thrower. He is not somebody who. Uh, will say uh, derogatory things about people on the other side of the aisle. Um, but he talked about, but I, I, and so that makes this, this statement even more uh, eye-opening, is he talked about his time in the Senate and working with Joe Biden as a senator. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, just, just, Chris, how long ago, six years ago, when Jim Talent was in office? Seven. Uh, Jim Talent like, left office 2006. Okay, okay. So it's been, so it's been a longer, and, and but... He talked about him him working with Joe Biden in that capacity and what a different person President Biden is. And he and he mentioned those things like I asked him what they were. And he said, you know, his his inability to recall uh, issues that think on his feet to answer, you know, to be quick with names and 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 moments in history and things like that. He said he, he is such a different person. Um, and it just you know, you you don't ever want to speculate about somebody's mental health. But you're you're forced to speculate when the president is being kept away from the public and from the press. So, well, when it's the leader of the world, when it's the leader of the free world, and it's an issue related to national security, then those are very relevant questions. What's interesting to me is that it's a question that's not being asked. If you think back to the Trump administration, and how many times did? In the White House press course, someone posed a question to the current press secretary at the time as to the mental fitness of former President Trump. Mm -hmm. And he could recall very well, and he was always very sharp. He had a different way of saying things. He had a different uh, way of talking to the American people, and a lot of people didn't like that. But you didn't really question his mental acuity. But for Joe Biden, there's just instance after instance that is becoming— uh, increasingly alarming that poses serious questions for our national security. And talking about that press conference next week, because there he has been so insulated and protected, I've been having conversations with the White House Correspondents Association on what is that press conference going to look like? Mm-hmm. Is Newsmax going to be allowed in there? Who else is going to be allowed in? What What's the structure? And I can't get any answers. They're telling me they don't know either. And they're actually concerned that the White House is going to try to stage manage this in a big way and it not be really open to many outlets. Hmm. We are talking to White House correspondent Emerald Robinson from Newsmax. Go ahead, Chris. Emerald, last week, the $1.9 trillion stimulus bill was passed. Um, Checks started going out to mailboxes and into people's bank accounts. The messaging for this week was supposed to be shots in arms, checks in pockets. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, that was derailed because of the border crisis or uncrisis, as they try to call it. And uh, they're totally off message uh, on that. The border crisis. What is the administration's plan to curtail that? I don't think they have a plan to curtail it, and I think that was very evident in uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas's appearance on the Hill uh, this week, in which he was uh, grilled by Republicans on the committee, and he essentially held to the line that this was a broken system they inherited, and that uh, the plan is to push an immigration push immigration legislation, clearly President Biden's, which calls for amnesty for millions 
millions of illegal immigrants in the United States. Now, the issue that the GOP takes with that is that that it just further incentivizes migrants to rush to the border. Clearly, they they weren't lined up with a plan or they would have had given that they were going to undo the policies and given they knew that would increase demand. They should have, at the very least, if this was the direction they were going to go, be prepared with processing and holding facilities. And they weren't. And they've also been, um, they keep touting transparency, but there's zero transparency in regards to the border crisis. Uh, they've been not forthcoming about the numbers. They've actually misrepresented the numbers of unaccompanied minor children that are being held. Uh, CBS investigation found it's more like 13 to 14,000, whereas the DHS was trying to portray that it was about 4,000, which seemed overwhelming, right? 4,000 seems like a lot, but for it to be nearly three times that, and they're putting a gag order on border officials. Usually you could call it, Border Patrol has been one of the easier to access government entities, I will say. They've always been very open to answering our questions, and that's not always the case. Um, even in the prior administration, and they have shut them down completely. That has been, and that was actually leads perfectly into my next question, Emerald, because um, the Biden administration touts itself as being uh, open and transparent. You hear that word transparency constantly from Jen Psaki and, and people uh, with the Biden administration, and she'll say things even like, well, you know, I can't answer that question, but talk to the people down there at the border, and then at least a few people of the press will, well yeah will say you 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 won't you won't let us so that's that that statement that uh that idea from the Biden administration that there is uh that their focus and dedication is to transparency being somebody who's there at the white house doing this as a job it, would you agree with that is that a true statement that the Biden uh the Biden white house is is focused on transparency it's verifiably false the only thing consistent with that statement is that the Biden administration consistently says one thing and does completely another, as we're seeing. Talking to Emerald Robinson, White House correspondent with Newsmax. Go ahead, Chris. Emerald, I get a lot of flack from people because, you know, I'm a conservative, but I watch actually MSNBC and CNN because I want to get the other side's point of view and uh, see what they're yeah. talking about. Um, Democrats have been threatening to eliminate the filibuster, but of course, you know, there's two senators that are saying they're not for that. You know, when I watch these other channels, you can, what they're talking about tells you what the strategy is. And because they're not talking about this, I think they're really afraid of it. And what I'm talking about is what uh, Mitch McConnell threatened, that if they did eliminate the filibuster, that he was going to soak them up the works to make sure that they didn't have a quorum or they have to have a roll call vote on every single vote, and that would grind the Senate to a halt. How fearful is the White House of this happening? You know, that's a good question. I don't know if they're very fearful of Republicans, because honestly, Republicans have not shown a lot of backbone yeah. in regards to really they talk a good game, but when it comes down to actually doing something, they don't. Case in point, Javier Becerra was confirmed uh, to the Health and Human Services, the head of the Health and Human Services Department. There are serious questions about his his uh, credentials to lead that agency and what he really brings to it, plus all the, the scandals from California. Then you have Rachel Levine from Pennsylvania, 
the health official from Pennsylvania who's going to be his number two if confirmed. And I am hearing from a very notable senator mm-hmm. that she is likely to be confirmed. This is this the Emerald? Is, is this the, the transgender the uh, uh, yeah. individual? Is the doctor? Yes. Okay. Okay. Just that's make absolutely sure I, correct. We're and talking this, about the right person. And this person, yeah, this person is implicated in the nursing home scandal and the hiding of information data in Pennsylvania that was very much like what Andrew Cuomo did in New York. That's that's a very serious charge. And this person is supposed to be a, a senior official at the Health and Human Services Department. And as I said, one senator, one you know, very well-respected senator told me they expect their colleagues to vote to confirm Levine because they're afraid of being labeled in the media as transphobic. Not even looking at the nursing home scandal that Levine was a part of. Yeah, it's it's so I'm not I don't have a lot of confidence necessarily in what McConnell says, and I don't think the White House really takes him too seriously either. And I do think Democrats in the White House are very serious about possibly changing the filibuster, because if they can do that, they have a greater possibility of pushing their immigration bill through and H.R. 1. And if they can get H.R. 1 through, then they don't really have to worry about anything in the future or any McConnell threats. Republicans will never win an election, national election again. If that uh, HR one is, is that the number one priority for the Democrats right now? Do you think Emerald HR one yes. in in getting yes. the federal control of the elections? Hence the number. Yeah, I agree. I am. Yes. I agree. Um, has the White House expanded or elaborated any more on um, the situation with Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden calling him a killer and um, <laughs> the back and forth that has gone on? I know that the uh, uh, I know that uh, Russia oh pulled its uh, its uh, ambassador out of the embassy there um, yeah. in, in, here here in, in in America. Um, is have has the White House talked any more about that situation and and where do you see uh, that going if it's going anywhere? It seems like it seems like the that that Biden started something there that just didn't need to be started, but. What's what's the latest on that? Uh, nothing more on the white from the White House end on that as of right now. I I don't think they were prepared <laughs> to be going right. at something with Russia. I think this is something that sort of came out of nowhere, and then Vladimir Putin pushed the envelope, and he continued to do so even after the White House said that yeah. uh, President Biden would not engage in a live debate, given that he is quote unquote quite busy. Uh, Vladimir Putin continued to push and say that he hopes that the president stays healthy. And we all know what he's alluding to. And then Biden falling down the steps of Air Force One will probably only further instigate this kind of rhetoric from Putin. You know, you saying that that came out of nowhere and and probably caught a lot of people the White House off guard is a perfect – Example of what I was talking about earlier, I, I mentioned earlier in this segment, and I, and I talked about it in the last segment, too, about how it's very strange for the president to um, announce a press conference so far out because every administration likes to be in very much in control of what the president's going to talk about, what the news of the day is going to be, not be blindsided by anything. By announcing a press conference two weeks out, it opens the president up to if something big happens that morning or the night before – the president has now uh, is now obligated to go out and talk to the press, and you never know, especially today, you never know what's going to happen. Um, before we let you go, we only got a couple minutes left here with Emerald Robinson uh, from Newsmax, uh, but just talk about how 
like to the average person that may not sound strange that they that they would announce something that far out but it, it this is very weird as far as uh as the typical way a white house operates am, am i right it absolutely is you would never as a communications professional working in politics <laughs> back your principal into a corner like that because like you said you never know what's going to come out that day that he will have to respond to and given the days, and especially with President Biden, he's better on some days than he has others, and that seems a bit unpredictable to them. I really, there's a lot of people in the press corps who are friendly to them who is questioning this rationale. Now, it leads me to believe that they plan to have this extremely stage managed, and it lends me, that's why I became very skeptical about how many press would be allowed in the room. And that's why I started really hammering our, you know, WHCA, who is our advocate, so to speak, uh, with the White House as to what this was going to look like, because that just raised so many red flags for me Hmm. that they were going to, you know, willingly schedule something nine days out. They had to feel very confident for some reason to do that. Yeah, and you said that they have and I'm not— I'm still skeptical it might happen. Yeah, and I you— I don't know. After seeing him fall, I, I can't imagine—I mean, maybe. <laughs> right. Go ahead, Chris. Um, Emerald, I'm going to give a plug for uh, Wake Up America, <laughs> 5.30 to uh, 8 o'clock. That's Central Standard Time. Um, your colleague, Rob Finnerty, is usually a very mild-mannered guy, pretty funny, very knowledgeable in politics. <laughs> but I watched the last hour of the show this morning— and he was pretty animated on what happened yesterday when uh, our top officials were meeting with uh, some of the Chinese officials in Alaska. Um, both sides had had uh, two minutes to give statements. Um, our side gave four-minute statement. The Chinese gave a 20-minute statement. And during that entire statement, they were upbraiding our democracy, um, mentioning Black Lives Matter and all the problems we have. And Rob mentioned that uh, how terrible that is for them to upbraid us when they have the Uyghurs and other people in detention camps. Um, talk a little bit about that. Well, look, it is very telling to how China feels that they can deal with this administration, how they portray our position on the world stage, because this is highly unusual. But you have to look at going into yesterday's meeting, something that doesn't get any attention is that you recall China gave the Bidens a billion and a half dollars through Mm -hmm. BHR partners back in 2014. See, I didn't want to go there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the the company that, you know, his son is supposed to currently be divesting himself from. Mm -hmm. And then just two months ago, the former director of national intelligence under the Trump administration, John Ratcliffe, put out a a memo to Congress along with an ombudsman, uh, a watchdog for the intelligence community that said that China interfered in the 2020 election and that the the career CIA analyst here in Washington, D.C. did not want to disclose that in the report on foreign interference because they did not politically agree with the Trump administration's position on China, and they felt like it gave fuel to those policies. So China feels very comfortable being disrespectful to this administration in front of the whole world as it watches on. Yep. And I don't think think that Secretary Anthony Blinken was ready for that. I was surprised at how surprised he was 
in that meeting, yeah, he because, clearly seemed taken aback. Because I'm not surprised by it. I'm not surprised by the the way that uh, Vladimir Putin or or uh, uh, Xi Jinping in, in in China. I'm sure I said that name wrong. Um, no, um, you're good. <laughs> uh, talks about us. But I think that we're used to somebody standing up to them and to just not not fight back or not defend uh, the country is, I think, the the most disheartening thing there. Uh, Emerald, we are just about out of time before we let you go. uh, Other than Wednesday mornings with Chris on that all star (laughs) panel uh, on Newsmax, what are all the different ways that people can uh, follow what you're working on, uh, follow you on social media, see your stuff, all that good stuff? Well, you can definitely follow me on Twitter at Emerald Robinson. I usually try to give even more information to the reports that I have during the day. I only have so much time when I'm on air, so I try to give more context and background information on my Twitter. And, you know, from time to time, I'm a little funny. Um, you can all, I, I know you should definitely watch on Wednesdays when Chris was with us, but you can even watch when he's not there. Yeah. I'm still there from 6.30 to 9 on and off every morning and then throughout the day, you know, until about 4 p.m. You'll see me giving uh, live updates and reports, usually from the White House. That is excellent. Emerald, do you have cat videos on your Twitter? There's a question. I, I do not. Oh. If you're a cat person, you might be disappointed. I'm sorry. And I am not a cat person, so I am actually uh, happy about that. So that is Emerald Robinson, the White House correspondent for Newsmax. Emerald, thanks again for your time and hope to talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Emerald. Sure. It's so good to talk to you guys. Yeah, back <laughs> at you. Talk soon. All right. That is going to wrap up this segment. Got to take a quick break. Be back with more Weekend Report. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here with producer Jake and my partner Chris Arps. Big thank you to Emerald Robinson from Newsmax. Their White House correspondent joined us in that last segment. Uh, Very long, very informative discussion with Emerald. It's always great to have her on the show. If you missed it, make sure you check it out on the podcast. Uh, Chris, only a few minutes left here in this first hour. We're going to talk to Gabe Pfeiffer, a.k.a. St. John the Philosopher from the St. John the Philosopher YouTube channel and the former mayor of Ferguson, James Knowles, in hour number two. So a lot going on. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Before we wrap up this hour, uh, Emerald touched on it. You touched on it. Um, we've, it's something we've talked about all through the presidential election, the plans that the Democrats have for making uh, fundamental changes to the United States, like adding states, like ending the filibuster, um, like taking federal control of elections, uh, the hypocrisy of the Democrats and you can find hypocrisy on both sides of the aisle. Don't get me wrong. But this is the, the, the spotlight was on Dick Durbin and uh, Chuck Schumer and other Democrats this week when talking about uh, ending the filibuster. Just back in 2018, um, a very famous, uh, what has now become a very famous piece of viral video of Dick Durbin passionately defending the filibuster and how it's the basis of... Uh, the 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 way that the founding fathers set up the 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 government and how it would be the end of the United States Senate as we know it if the filibuster were to ever go away 
And that was just in 2018. And and then this past week, he gives an equally passionate uh, uh, speech about how the filibuster has to go uh, because it's it's against what the founding fathers <laughs> intended, and it will end the United States Senate if it doesn't go. He like said the same things, mm-hmm. making a complete counter argument to the to the point and argument he made in 2018. It is it is so maddening that politicians do this and. They just seemingly get away with it. I mean, some people are calling him out on it, but it's incredible to me that he he can that they can switch. I was going to say that he could change his mind, but he didn't change his mind. His mind is not. He didn't change his mind about the filibuster. He's 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 he he's advocating for more power for himself and for his party. So in 2018, the way to get that was to end the filibuster. In 2021, the way to get that is to uh or I'm sorry, it was to keep the filibuster in 2018 and the way to do it now in 2021 is to end the filibuster. What do you think about what you've seen this week out of Dick Durbin and the continuation of this debate about these changes like packing the court and ending the filibuster and all of that are evolving? Look, Democrats won the Senate, and they think that a 50-50 Senate and a five-seat majority in the House gives them a mandate to make these fundamental changes that they can only do by eliminating the filibuster. Um, We have two senators, Senator Sinema and uh, Senator Manchin from, uh, from West Virginia, who say that they will not allow the changing of that rule and keeping the filibuster. But Manchin seems to be uh, waning a little bit. He said now he wants to see some reform, possibly, um, where you have to go to an actual talking filibuster instead of just being able to just say it's a filibuster. Um, the president has signaled um, that maybe he'd like to see some reform and going back to a uh, talking filibuster. Um, it's just what Chuck Schumer said, that this is a way to fundamentally change America. But thank God, and you know, I'm going to praise Mitch McConnell here. He threw down a firewall and said that if they do do this, that they still have the means to gum up the Senate. And one way to do that is making sure that there's not 50 senators on the floor for a quorum. Uh, also, making sure that uh, that uh, all the all the members have to have to be there, of course, for the quorum. Um, Tony, this would totally gum things up. And they warned them that if they ever got control. Um, back in the Senate and the filibuster was thrown out that they would push for defunding Planned Parenthood. They would push for having um, conceal and carry reciprocity in all 50 states. So the Democrats are playing with fire. They can do this, Hmm. but uh, we will see a Senate that is stuck in limbo if this happens for the next two years. They're not even hiding it anymore. They're not even pretending that it's about... Uh, equality or f- that they're fighting for, you know, some uh, issue that will improve the country and improve life for the citizens. It is all about power. 
It's it is. And what and what they should do is do like old fashioned politics. If you feel that your ideas are correct and are good for the country, then make the case to the American people on television with an address. Then go out and talk to the people and tell them this is what you want uh, done. And in that way, what usually happens is the people, if they agree with you, will put pressure on their lawmakers and lawmakers of the opposite party. And so that they'll relent and, and get what you want. But just this, hey, we have the power now, we're in control, and we're going to change the rules and get what we want is not how the system was designed. Yeah. Yep. No, instead of instead of proving your point to the people, it's just let's change the system so we don't have to try yeah. and uh, just put the system in our favor and we'll have power that way. We've got to wrap up this first hour, but an entire second hour of the Weekend Report is coming up. We'll talk to former mayor of Ferguson, James Knowles, and Gabe Pfeiffer from the St. John the Philosopher YouTube channel when we get back. I can almost feel Gabe's presence. (laughs) It's 97.1. Don't go anywhere. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Perry Woods. It is hour number two of the Weekend Report on your radio. Thank you so much for listening. If you missed anything in that first hour or you ever miss anything here on the Weekend Report or just want to listen again, download our podcast. You can get the Weekend Report podcast anywhere you get podcasts, but I recommend the Radio.com app. The Radio.com app streams the station 24-7. You can rewind live radio and you can download the podcast of this and every other show on the station and it's all free. So check out the radio.com app we talked How to much? it's free chris yeah. it is free we talked to emerald robinson in that first hour white house correspondent from newsmax had a very long insightful conversation with her so if you missed that make sure you download that podcast and check it out got a big second hour for you producer jake is here my name's tony colombo chris arps of course my partner is here also and uh, a little bit later on we're going to talk to the former mayor of ferguson james knowles and right now joining us in studio is our good friend Gabe Pfeiffer, a.k.a. St. John the Philosopher from the St. John the Philosopher YouTube channel. Great to see you, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me again. You bet. Good to you be bet. here. How's, uh, how was, how's it going? How was your week? Uh, it's, it's been a week. <laughs> <laughs> so we started the show exactly an hour ago with me announcing that I got my vaccine this week. Okay. And it kind of came out of, I, got, I, I you know, was signed up in various places. <laughs> and Go ahead. Matt. <laughs> Oh, he that's, that's that's supposed to be that's supposed to be one of my side uh, effects. I see. I see. Yeah, yeah, you start sounding like a supposed goat. Supposed to be a sheep or something. Was oh, that what that was? Yeah, yeah oh, sound, okay. sounded, sounded like a goat. Come on, Jake, get your animal sound effects right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Give me another one. I'll try again. Gabe, Gabe, as the audience here knows, is uh, uh, is is a very religious person, mm-hmm. but also a scientist. Yes. So, and uh, although some people would tell you that those two things yes. don't combine. Um, they are wrong. They are wrong. <laughs> they they absolutely do combine. Where do you, where do you stand on the whole uh, uh, vaccine thing? I, I was always, I've always said I want to, you know, I, I'll wait my turn, but I'm ready to go when I can get it. And Chris has always been a, 
I'll let you get it and see how it goes, and then I'll get mine later. So where are you at on that? <laughs> well, I mean, just just in general, medicine has always struck me as a bit of alchemy, <laughs> just because, mm. uh, you know, n- not because it's not real or anything, or it's, it's quackery or anything like that. It's just that, you know, as somebody who deals with machines, everything's very precise. We know, you, you know, you know from a given input what the output's going to be because we've done this for a long time. The human body is still in many ways a big mystery to to humanity you know mm-hmm. as as much as we know about it, as much as our research is capable of things there's st- there's stuff that happens in the body that we can't explain yet that we don't no have full understanding of there. <laughs> <laughs> well and and He's and also, good and also this, that there and also that there are, are so many factors um that that contribute to the way you know all this stuff pans out so we do the best science we can and, and we we hope for the best um i think you know the the vaccine is is probably you know created to the best of our capabilities right now to the best of our knowledge of everything and uh it's it's probably fine it's probably <laughs> <laughs> but but one one thing i do know from the scientific Dave will not be doing any psas for the vaccine anytime soon i think well, but one thing i do know it, what's funny is i just had this conversation with my my mom on the way here about her getting the vaccine mm. and one of the things that we we came to was that this this is an old person's disease and an obese person's disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the high risk people. They should get, and that's the they, fact. They, that's, My mom that's, got that's, that's, that it, that's the fact. That, yeah, those are the people that are, have been the most seriously affected by far. Oh yeah, by this virus. Yes, it, it, clearly the science is in on it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> those are the risk factors: age and uh, obesity. And and I think those are the people who need to, mm-hmm. like, it's kind of a have to mm-hmm. in, in order to stem what we regard as the pandemic, mm-hmm. with basically the, the uh, hospitalizations and deaths due to the virus, right? Them getting vaccinated would pretty much eliminate mm-hmm. most, of, most of that. Yep. Uh, for the rest of us, I think it can be a feel good. I think it can be um, a bulwark to uh, maybe various strains kind of coming out. You know, th- there there is that famous exchange now between Fauci and uh, yeah, and Rand Paul, Rand Paul. <laughs> yeah. about variants. Um, for for in for us, it would be a, a barrier against the exchanges because, as Rand Paul pointed out, there's there's no evidence of infection once you have the vaccine. Yeah. So no. you know, even with variants, and Rand Paul is also a physician. Yes, he is. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was a a a, a conflict between experts, guys. Yeah, yeah. Just so you know, yeah, it wasn't as, just as, a politician <laughs> arguing with a doctor; it was a doctor arguing with a doctor. Yes, exactly. And and guess what? That happens. Yeah, experts absolutely. disagree about absolutely. stuff, and they have conflicts. That's called science. So lot- cannot argue with Doctor Fauci. Though he is the preeminent <laughs> um, infectious diseases expert. He's been at his job for forty years. Mm-hmm. You don't question Fauci. I also noticed that that uh, Rand Paul was the only one who actually brought in any sort of statistical facts that bolsters arguments there. Fauci, yeah. Fauci made zero rebuttals to the to the facts and figures that well, Rand Paul because he couldn't the... because he knew that Rand Paul had all the <laughs> yeah. numbers on his side. Yeah, you know, and 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 yeah, there was there were parts of that argument that um, that I thought that uh, both men at times uh, didn't come off great, but Rand Paul had. He had the facts and yeah. he had the numbers, and yeah. Fauci uh, was playing defense uh, for sure. Very much. I uh, want to get your guys' thoughts on uh, lots of different stories uh, coming out this week, particularly uh, with Gabe here and Chris, who are both uh, African American conservatives. The um, critical race theory 
um, being taught in schools has come to the forefront um, with what's going on down in Florida with Governor Ron DeSantis saying that uh, taxpayer money, the state of Florida will not will not fund any uh, critical race theory uh, classes in in public schools in the state of Florida. Chris, where do you where do you stand on this? The 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 proponents of critical race theory, um, you know, say that this is a way to uh, educate people about racism and uh, and eliminate it from the future. Uh, the uh, people who are against it say that it uh, it 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 basically teaches us to hate each other and that um, you live in an evil society and. Uh, don't trust your neighbor and and don't like anybody else. Uh, those are the those are the two opinions on it. What is yours, Tony? I wrote a paper on critical race theory for the Federalist several weeks ago, and in the paper I wrote about an exchange that I had with the New York Times editor Pinch Solzberger um, about their 1619 project. And if you remember the 1619 project, which surprisingly has won a Pulitzer Prize was criticized heavily by historians and even people who worked on the report that said it was uh, inaccurate. And the basic premise of the 1619 Project is that America was built on racism and that the only reason that the colonists decided to rebel against the crown was because they were going to outlaw slavery, and that's why the uh, uh, colonists rebelled, which is absolutely ridiculous. I think what critical race theory does, it tries to remake American history into what the socialists want it to be, and that this is a racist country, inherently racist, and it can never be changed. And I think what they're trying to do is basically indoctrinate our children at a young age to hate their country and have a total, uh, uh, not a, a different view of American history that we had and that was taught to us while we were growing up. Gabe, your thoughts on critical race theory? Oh yeah, I'm I'm definitely with uh, with uh, Chris on that. But uh, uh, you you know at um at at any um uh, uh, construction store or hardware store, you can get a a spray paint that can make almost anything look like metal, right? Mm -hmm. So you can take a piece of balsa wood and you could spray it with this spray, and it looks like a rod of metal. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, if you try to load it. The same way you would a metal piece, it's not going to hold up the same. That's what critical race theory is. It's this, it's a, it's this faux edu, you know, uh, academic study of a really weak argument. You know, so it, it has this veneer of, of respectability because it's it, there are books written and there are people who have PhDs and ethnic studies who are supporting all of these things. But it's it's weak and it's and it's and when you really look at what they're actually trying to do with it how they're trying to use it. They're basically just whittling down the end into a point and trying to kill America with it. They're yeah, trying yeah. to stab us to death. Exactly. Okay, so exactly. so really this, uh, I applaud Ron Sanders for stepping up, for being proactive in trying to to uh, to get this stuff out of the, the hands of, uh, of of teachers or the very the various woke teachers or or being forced on to the good teachers to have to deal with any of this drivel uh, with our kids um, I my latest video on my on my YouTube channel mm -hmm. is about fighting uh, the culture war through education oh. and, and one of the one of the things Perfect. we have to do one of the things we have to do is take back our schools from yeah. the Marxists because and, it, and talk yeah, and talk about crazy. this day or uh, gay because you're brilliant man and you understand history that the first thing that revolutionaries do is they destroy the past they tear mm -hmm. down uh, uh 
statues and sculptures. They burned books. They try to eliminate the history and try to remake it into their own. And what we're, we're seeing BLM and Antifa and a lot of the progressive left doing that exact same thing by tearing down statues and and, and canceling Dr. Seuss and other great literature. Oh, exactly. It's the same thing. Yep. And, and on top of that, what they do is they try to foster resentment uh, between the younger generation and the older generation because the, the younger generation will view the older generation who has fondness for America and for American history and all of these these figures that they're tearing down as something antithetical so now now i have to destroy you know not only do i have to destroy the history of america essentially you know get rid of it and 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 uh, cancel it and all these these institutions but also i have to shun and cancel and get rid of uh my parents generation who who supported all of those things and and that's what you had in uh, in communist china during the revolution you had all these school kids basically uh lynching their teachers because because they belong to the wrong generation. Mm. Yep. It happened. So Ron DeSantis wants critical race theory out of the schools mm-hmm. in, in Florida and wants civics to be returned to the schools. I <laughs> I remember civics. <laughs> I, I don't. I graduated high school 25 years ago, and I never took a civics class. Really? That's how long it's been gone from some schools. You know what? You're yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I guess have I contemporaries was the, that have that yeah. did have classes. We graduated but, the same year. I graduated in 2015. I have no idea what you guys are talking exactly. about. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. I graduated in 1984, and I have to be honest with you, we barely touched upon civics <laughs> it, then. We so had there some you civics, go. but there it wasn't like with my parents' generation. So that's how long it's been gone. Right. And by Do, civics, we mean. Basically, how the U.S. government is organized, yeah. how you participate in it, the the um, basically the rights and responsibilities of citizens versus yeah. the government is basically you know studying the Constitution yeah. and and the history of it and and how the government works and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, and, 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 and we were very for my generation. We were very fortunate. And you guys may have remembered the Schoolhouse Rock videos. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Saturday morning <laughs> watching course. cartoons. We had no I'm idea that we were being educated <laughs> on the uh, Constitution. I'll give you a prime example. In eighth grade, we were studying the Constitution, and uh, our assignment was we had like a week to learn the preamble to the Constitution. And so we, I started reading it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the song to one of the schoolhouse rock songs. <laughs> yeah. and, and, seriously, and we had to perform it where we had to recite it in front of the class. I had to sing it because that's the only way that I knew it <laughs> instead of just reciting it. But it was one of the songs. In Schoolhouse Rock, it's like the ABC song, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it, and 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 yeah, like you said, Gabe, it it teaches you how the government works, how your representation in the government works, mm-hmm. and how to and and how you can influence yep. your your representatives, and how the how the House, how the United States House works, how the Senate works, how your local uh, mm-hmm. uh, politicians and and representatives work, and. That people have no idea. They have no idea. No idea no how any of that works anymore. Um, how how important is it? I mean, should it, should civics be a like a core? Should it be like next to math and science and English? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Is it I that mean, important? It's, in your it, in your opinion, definitely. Because well, c- consider it this way. You know, we sh- uh, on top of civics, we should also teach be teaching uh, people. Um, you know, financial literacy. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, at, at a basic domestic things, you know, but I don't know if you've ever heard of home ec. Yeah, we, I, I never took it. And I'm not, I'm not 100 percent sure that that's what it was called. But there were classes like that. Like there were 
Um, you know, there were a couple of them. There was one for um, cooking and then one for mm-hmm. literally everything else. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And I remember uh, I wrestled in high school and one of the one of the wrestling <laughs> one of the wrestling guys walks out of one of that classes after practice one day, like, hey man, what's going up? And he's like, Hey and then he pulls out of his hoodie pocket this giant wad of cookie dough. He's like you want some? <laughs> like, Wait, what? That's awesome. Uh, where'd you get that? He's like, don't worry about it. Made it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, but we had that. But like you mentioned, financial literacy classes. Yeah. We had, um, had again, I forgot what it was called, but it was how to balance a checkbook, yep, how to yep. how to taxes and loans and stuff work. That was a one semester course, so half the year, mm-hmm. and it was only the one that was required. Mm-hmm. But it should have so, been a lot yeah. more because, man, I don't know anything. <laughs> right, and that's the thing. <laughs> we, you know, if we if we want to to the schools to be responsible for uh, producing uh, high functioning, contributing members of society, we should teach what that means. That means how mm-hmm. do I vote? How do I write a check? How do I uh, pay my how I balance my uh, home? Um, uh, budget, right? Mm-hmm. You know those those type of things. The basic that you or you know maybe in this generation we just simply call it adulting one hundred and one. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I did have an elective in high school that was called independent living. Yeah, and it kind of taught you that stuff: how to mm-hmm. write a check, how to write, how to keep a oh, budget, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and those are the things that people need. Those are the skills that kids need. Should be required. Yeah, that, required. That they can't graduate unless you pass these. Or at the <laughs> very least, if not in high school, then it needs to. They need to focus more of it on college too. Like yeah, I took, it's a great like point. First year of college, I took so like college one hundred and one, how to succeed in college. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've done the school thing for a long time. Right. This is just school what, two point right? <laughs> Afterwards, yeah. I don't know. I probably needed to take that class. <laughs> Tell me maybe more. That's what, maybe that's what happened to me. Is I didn't go. have a college 101 class. There you go. It's Gabe Pfeiffer, St. John the Philosopher from the St. John the Philosopher YouTube channel. Can you stick around? Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, stick hey, around with us. Tom, go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Can I take us out? On yeah, a, take us. Uh, acapella song? We are. Uh, <laughs> oh, are you going to introduce James Knowles, or do I need to do that before you take us out? Uh, before we take us out. Okay, so <laughs> when I get done with this, you, you do whatever you need to do. But here All we right. go. Ready? So uh, Gabe's going to stick around. Don't go anywhere. We are going to talk to the former mayor of Ferguson. James Knowles joins us next on The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice and ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, and promote the general welfare, establish justice and ensure to ourselves and our posterity, do right. ordain, right, you can and it. establish you this constitution Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here with producer Jake, who is filling in for Frank, and of course my partner Chris Arps, and Gabe Pfeiffer from the St. John the Philosopher YouTube channel is sticking around and putting a little OT with us, so definitely appreciate that. And as I mentioned, joining us on the line now is the former mayor of Ferguson, James Knowles, is back with us. James, Mr. Mayor, always great to talk with you, my friend. How's it going? Things are going pretty good. I was always happy to be on with you guys. You bet. Uh, we have talked a lot on this show about the St. Louis mayoral election. But, Chris, would you agree that 
nobody else is. I, I feel like <laughs> this is an important thing. Who is the you know who ultimately is the mayor of St. Louis? But I feel like I feel like this uh, this election, this campaign, is not getting any media attention. It seems like nobody cares. Am, am I? Uh, do you share that, or am I like uh, am I missing something? I think the change up in the election from going just a one man, one vote to now the multiple vote thing uh, made this kind of a sleepy election. Plus, I think with Tashar Jones facing uh, Carl Spencer, Carl Spencer, a relatively newcomer, I think people are just thinking this is a foregone conclusion that on April 20th, we will be swearing in Tashar Jones mm. as the next mayor of the city of St. Louis. So one of the uh, several reasons that I wanted to talk to Mayor Knowles today was to get some uh, insight and kind of talk about um, how this is how this works, because I know that there is a lot of there's a lot of similarities between, um, you know, St. Louis uh, City and then, you know, all of, of the municipalities around some, uh, you know, facing a lot of the same issues, looking at the same type of demographics. So I, I f- figure there's no better expert to kind of talk about the inside of how one of these uh, these campaigns and these elections work than uh, than Mayor Knowles. Uh, James, how do you feel about the uh, the city of St. Louis, the the mayor's uh, race there, and how important it is to the area? When you when when you were mayor, um, did you communicate with other mayors and other and you know in other cities near Ferguson? Is there is there any type of cooperation between the two uh, or between you know everybody in the same area, or does everybody kind of stick to themselves? No, I think uh, it, like Ferguson itself, you know, is kind of the center of an area that included Delwood, uh, Cool Valley, Jennings, um, uh, Florissant to our north. Um, we had a uh, we had a lot of yeah, we had a lot of uh, communities that you know be, because Ferguson ended up being a place where people drove through a lot. Um, you know, we had the Walmart, the Sam's were kind of a uh, you know, shopping hub for a lot of those surrounding communities, at least in that corridor. So we had a lot of people that would go through, a lot of traffic through there, a lot of uh, cooperation on economic development efforts along those corridors that we shared borders, uh, West Florissant and Florissant Road and such. So so there's a lot of communication, a lot of cooperation on those efforts. Of course, law enforcement efforts, too, because crime you know doesn't pay attention to borders very often. Um, in my last term as mayor, I was also president of the municipal league. The municipal league of St. Louis is actually uh, it is that league, that grouping of all the cities in St. Louis County, and including the city of St. Louis. And you know, we come together, we work together on common issues, uh, issues of development, uh, advocating for municipal government and local control. I actually got to serve uh, as president. Uh, I served with. Uh, Kara Spencer as a member of our board on behalf of the city of St. Louis. She served mm. on our board as a, a board member in her, uh, I guess it was two years ago. So she was, she was phenomenal. Um, I was, we were all stunned that she was going to make this run. I think, uh, you know, it's really amazing that she's uh, made it through this new kind of primary process that they have there in the city of St. Louis. Um, but I think as Chris said, it's surprising how there's, been very little attention on this race. I don't know if it is because people think that Tashara has it in the bag. I know there's certainly uh, St. Louis Post Dispatch Editorial Review Board. Other people, they uh, <laughs> yeah. there's definitely people who are not fans of Miss Jones. Uh, so 
And I've spoken to a number of aldermen, especially a number of members of the Black Caucus, who are not uh, necessarily fans of Miss Jones either. Yeah. So, um, but it, but there hasn't been that vocal opposition uh, from from those groups down there. So yeah. it's interesting to see how that's playing out. Yeah, that's James Knowles, former mayor of Ferguson. Go ahead, Chris. Mr. Mayor, let's talk about St. Louis County politics uh, a little bit. Um, you turned out of uh, your mayor position there in Ferguson a couple of years ago. A lot of people were wondering, hoping that you would uh, run for county executive. Um, we see all of the turmoil that's going on in St. Louis County right now. <laughs> he does now. that to everybody, by the way, James. You know, he he announces that people are running for he he announced he announced <laughs> I, I just, that. Uh, he, I'm just saying we we see all the turmoil that's going on in St. Louis County with the with the the council and with Sam Page and and lawsuits. Um, uh, uh, State Rep. Shemet Dogan has thrown his hat into the ring uh, or is considering it. There's another young lady, African-American uh, young lady, that is considered on the Republican side uh, for the job in, uh, next year. Um, are you considering running for St. Louis County Executive? Uh, I have I've not uh, seriously uh, explored that option. So There you go. No, I have not. He announced a five-five-word answer there. Mr. He announced Mayor. Eric Schmidt was running for Senate to Eric Schmidt on the show last week. So, uh, <laughs> well, I heard you guys tried to get you try to get Jim Talent to run again too. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hey, James, you mentioned that. Uh, or Chris mentioned the um, the weird election, the uh, the primary. Um, the jungle primary, as they call it, the the, the uh, nonpartisan election, um, which we've seen versions of that. We've seen versions of rated voting where you go in and you vote for multiple people, but you vote for like your your most favorite, your second kind of an ABC kind of thing. Uh, but this was the first time that I've ever seen a, where you could go into the voting booth, vote for multiple people. At an equal level, you could be, you could vote for up to four, and there were only four candidates on the St. Louis mayoral ballot, so you could walk in and vote for all four candidates. <laughs> Negate your own vote equally, yeah, and then and walk away, and then say you know be able to say yeah I voted for that person, I yeah yeah the uh, the guy I or the person I voted for won. Um, <laughs> we, have, we have something even crazier: Ferguson Florissant School District. Oh yeah, they let you you can vote four times for the same person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, this was this is the brainchild of the federal courts because they thought this was a way to ensure that you could uh, you know, diversify the school board, which by itself was already diversified. But yeah. uh, I guess because of its history of not necessarily being as diverse, they felt they needed to do this. All that did was ensure that people who wanted to make sure that there was a white candidate got to vote four votes for a white candidate. People wanted to make sure they wanted to do it to an African-American candidate, did the same. There's been no changeover in the makeup of the board. I mean, and no, just, and no change in the percentages of the uh, victories or losses because right. <laughs> instead of one vote, you're getting four <laughs> votes, but you're still getting the same percentage of votes it's every really, time. It's really crazy. Yeah, that, that, who goes in and votes? You know, like uh, I'm going to vote for this person, but I'm only going to vote twice. <laughs> I'm only going to give them I'm two gonna, votes. I, I like Tony. I'm going to give Tony three of my votes, <laughs> and Chris. You know, you're only so, getting one, buddy. I'm sorry. I like you, but not much. <laughs> so, James, as as a person who's participated in these type of elections, what do you uh, are there any positives to that, or what is 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 the best way to the most common sense way to go in and one person one vote for your you know for your candidate? What do you think about this 
jungle primary that they did? You know, I think I think it could maybe have worked if you would have allowed maybe just two votes and said, okay, these are the two people I want to see. You know, I think a lot of people, when they first heard about this, thought maybe, okay, well, if you're going to have more, if you're going to have five people running, maybe maybe there's an opportunity for me to pick the, the, the two I want to see face off. And then, but of course, then you also have the, the stalking horse kind of candidate uh, possibility where somebody votes uh, for the for the candidate that they want and then the candidate that they don't want uh, in, in hopes of maybe putting in place a weaker candidate as the uh, as the second you know the the second winner so to speak you know in one of these primaries I think the the fact that St. Louis City went to a nonpartisan type election is, is in itself amazing and I think it's something that St. Louis County seriously needs to look at. I mean, we're already in a situation where uh, clearly partisan politics have, inf- have destroyed St. Louis City. Uh, it's destroying St. Louis County. Um, the country. They're mm-hmm. Clearly, it's destroying the country. You're absolutely right. I mean, uh, if, if you're just looking at what we're seeing, how the dysfunction of St. Louis County playing out right now, um, you'll, you'll notice that there's not necessarily even party lines at times in the way that some of these uh, schisms have have, um, have played out. And so why are we having uh, an electoral contest where people, f- frankly, blindly go in and elect people who we know to be dysfunctional because of the Democrat, right? Or because of the, the Republican, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they serve people- on this county council, and we and it's an embarrassment of what's happening on there. And nobody's going to be kicked out of their seats so long as they're sitting in a safe Republican or a safe Democrat district. Absolutely right. And that right. shouldn't be the case for no, anybody. No, you're right. Yeah, a ham sandwich. You know, they, the famous <laughs> line, a ham sandwich could win, you know, if they, as long as they have the right letter behind their name in the, in the right uh, area. The, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. People have been, uh, in many places, just uh, uh, it's, their, it's their habit to just vote for the party, and they don't even care about the person. Only got a few minutes left here with uh, James Knowles, the former mayor of Ferguson. Chris, go ahead. Mr. Mayor, when you were on the regional board of the organization, the Municipal League, I think that was the name of it, um, you saw the statistics that saw that the city of St. Louis was losing population, St. Louis County is stagnant, that all of the population growth seems to be moving uh, west. You, Tony, and I are born and raised North Countyans. Gabe lives in North County. What do you see for the future of St. Louis County? Well, I think we need to make some structural changes first at the, at the political level. I mean, if, if we're going to continue to do things the same way because we elect the same people or the same, uh, you know, the same ilk of people all the time, then that's going to be, I don't see much changing for St. Louis County. I mean, St. Louis City had to go Look what St. Louis City has gone through, uh, the you know, decimation of the population uh, you know, over a course of 40, 50 years even. The number of things that have had to go poorly for the city of St. Louis before they decided, let's shrink the number of Board of Aldermen. Let's change from a partisan system to a nonpartisan system. Let's do some things differently for a change. It, it took them forever to do that. If we wait that long in St. Louis County, we're going to see – the same sort of effect on St. Louis County as we saw happen to St. Louis City. It should not take us that long for us to recognize that Steve Stanger was reelected. I mean, 
what, eight months before he went to prison. And I can tell you that, I mean, I had, I had people in the know tell me eight months before he was reelected that he was going to prison. And they, they had it to the month, by the way. Wow. A, a state senator, a Missouri state senator told me, he said, I'm going to tell you he's going to prison in March of, what was it, 2018. Jeez. And I said, you're out of your mind. He went to prison in March of 2018. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, how did you know that? But he knew. He had all the friends at the U.S. Attorney's Office. How is it the biggest, I mean, the worst-kept secret in all of St. Louis County? We still elected this knucklehead because he's a Democrat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and now exactly nobody's happy with what's – I mean, there's a lot of the same things going on in St. Louis County government. You know, we just – we we keep doing the same thing over and over again until we realize, we realize it's just not going to work. How long is it going to take for us to understand that? We had an opportunity to change, make charter amendments. You know that was a that was a disgrace. That nothing really came out of this charter commission, a commission that was a full of stinger appointments, and full of people, frankly, who were worried about keeping the status quo. And you know those sorts of things have got to change if we expect uh, us to change the the trajectory of where St. Louis County is going. That is the former mayor of Ferguson, James Knowles. James, it's always great to talk with you. When you are ready to stop playing this cat and mouse game with Chris <laughs> and <laughs> announce that you're running for a county executive, you just let us know and you can have the platform anytime. <laughs> you, you, you always, I always told you guys to be first to know. Hey, I also want to congratulate Don't hold James. your breath, though, Chris. I also want to congratulate James. He and my wife were appointed to a redistricting county committee, so oh, I want good. to congratulate uh, nice. both of them on that. Yeah, that's important stuff, and nice. it's good that we have uh, competent people uh, working in those areas. Uh, James, seriously, always great to talk with you, my friend. I hope everybody's doing well, and uh, look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks, James. God bless. All right, let's take another quick break. Gabe Pfeiffer is going to stick around. I have uh, I've I've bolted the door shut so he can't leave, and uh, he's going to stay with us. And we have got uh, one more segment to go on this week's weekend report. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. Now there are me. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Oh, there he is on his camera. He took. He turned on his camera for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's... So that's his, this is his moment, Jake. His go-to. This is, he, Chris fancies himself as the best air guitar player west of the Mississippi. You're going to be really jealous so. one day when I win the International Air Guitar Championship. <laughs> No yeah, and I take my uh, gift certificate to McDonald's <laughs> and don't share it with me. International, that's all you get? It's a gift yeah. certificate? No joke, that's a thing. To McDonald's. That's an actual thing. <laughs> oh, I've there, seen They it. do. They yeah. have real air guitar oh, competitions. It. It's wild. Yeah, they do have actual competitions. Jake didn't know what the prize was. Yeah. I didn't know. No, I did not know that. No. There's McDonald's everywhere. It's a free Happy Meal. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Perfect international prize. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Uh, welcome back to the Weekend Report. Oh, yeah, we're doing radio. Yes. Hey, nobody's listening. We're all right. We can do anything we want. Uh, one more segment to go here. Reminder, if you missed anything on today's show, we just talked to James Knowles. Gabe Pfeiffer, St. John the Philosopher from the St. John the Philosopher YouTube channel, is in with us and has been here for the entire second hour of the show. We also talked to White House correspondent Emerald uh, Robinson from Newsmax in the first hour of the show. Check out the podcast. We can report podcasts. You can get anywhere. But I would recommend the Radio.com app as the best place to get our podcast. If you miss anything or you just want to hear the show again, that is the place to go. Um, let's talk about the very beginning of the week a little bit. Um, Chris, we, you and I have not had a chance to talk about Kim Gardner's 60 Minutes interview. Um, I felt like that interview was very one-sided, and it made... St. Louis out to be the just the worst place in the country. How did what how did you feel about that interview? Well, I'll tell you what, Tony, the first thing that I notice about Kim Gardner's uh, interview is that she always seems to do interviews with out of state. Yes. Uh, national news uh, publications and and uh, but nobody uh, news locally. things except for local. I find that curious, first of all. Um, I didn't watch the interview because I knew I probably couldn't stomach uh, through it. Uh, I knew pretty much what she was going to talk about is that the racist police union and the uh, people on the south side of St. Louis are against her. She's just trying to do the job that the people elected her overwhelmingly to do. And unfortunately for Kim Gardner, she under, she doesn't understand at, as the prosecutor, your job is not to reform the system or to be, be a social worker. Your job is to keep the public safe and put criminals behind bars. And yeah, and and. I think that maybe that's why she avoids the local media is because people here that live here know exactly what's going on. And there are plenty of issues that the city of St. Louis is facing. And there's not, I'm, you know, of course there are reforms and things that can be discussed. But this interview was painted like St. Louis, the St. Louis Police Department, the history of the city has all been based in racism. Uh, did you, Gabe? Did you see the interview, and did you have any you know what reaction I to it? I, honestly, I didn't even know there was going to be an uh. interview. But I, kind of like uh, Chris, I could, I can probably, you know, guess uh, some of the answers that would be coming out of her mouth. Uh, <laughs> but uh, gosh, it, it, it's it's sad to see a prosecutor who refuses to prosecute anybody and who goes after the the people who should be her her greatest allies, the police. And it's it's uh, it's it's been a shame, and and it's no wonder St. Louis has been having its its massive uh, crime spike. Mm -hmm. uh, you're a smart guy, so I'm going to take advantage of you being in here. Thanks, and, Tony. And, what's and, up? <laughs> 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 There's two smart guys yeah, in yeah, here. Yeah. I'm going to take advantage of that. Hey, uh, uh, you're not. Well, you're at home. In you're, here, in here. Right here. Um, <laughs> Bitcoin. Oh, Bitcoin has been. Back in the news, oh yeah, it's been get, it's been gaining steam, and I've heard you know more and more people talking about it. The story about the uh, NFL player that has half of his salary converted to Bitcoin <laughs> and made uh, off of uh, six point five million dollars was half of his salary this year. He 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 turned half of his paycheck into Bitcoin throughout this entire season. So he invested six point five million dollars in Bitcoin. It ended up being over twenty one million dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's how much he made off of that six point five. Um, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you what do you, what do you think of Bitcoin? 
Well, what's what's hilarious is while this this the entire idea of um uh, of, of cryptocurrency is that it's based in a, a blockchain technology. Uh-huh. I mm-hmm. actually have no idea about any blockchain technology. <laughs> oh, Dave, like, I was going to ask you about blockchain feel because so they were behind. talking about using that for voting to keep it secure. Now, I, I will I will say I will say this that you know from what I do understand about it, it's it's basically a um, like kind of a a, a a double sort of encryption sort of system uh-huh. basically you can't you can't fake it basically right. you can't fake a bitcoin you can't counterfeit a bitcoin you can't counterfeit a, a Do- dogecoin is the, the new one yeah. it's, it's hilarious to me <laughs> because it's based on a meme uh but <laughs> you said doge and i pictured it in my head immediately yeah. exactly know exactly what, yeah. you know exactly what yeah. i'm talking about that's my generation kid, i know all the memes the kids love it man um it's and you can apparently make like they're they're kids your age, <laughs> who made millions of dollars on things like Dogecoin right now, yeah. it's kind of ridiculous. But um, yeah, so it's it's basically a, a an unbreakable sort of encryption. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, if you if you lose the password, yeah, it's gone. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like you can't you can't replace those. <laughs> like they simply go away. Which which may be you know where some of the scarcity could come from uh, that drives the the, uh, the the cost of these things. So, so Jake it's, it's Jake weird. actually produced the Second Amendment Radio this week as well. And in our podcast, mm-hmm. not on the on the show, but on our podcast this week on Second Amendment Radio, uh, which you can also get on the Radio.com app, we talked to somebody. Uh, we were we were all over the map, and we got onto the Bitcoin thing. And <laughs> this guy, uh, one of our guests from the sanitizer and mask wholesale store, actually, quick plug for a sponsor. Um, they uh, uh, he invested. He got a Bitcoin like six years ago oh, because wow. because. He what he was a fan of online poker, and yeah. they outlawed using you real could money. no longer gamble online, right? And with real money, so they were there. People online were getting around it by using Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. he bought a Bitcoin so he could use <laughs> so he could continue to 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 play online poker. Yeah, and then stopped playing, forgot about it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Now Found Bitcoin it. blows up. And he said that he's like, oh, I think I have a Bitcoin <laughs> on that laptop that I used to play poker with. He does, but he can't remember the password. If, if oh, I ever had man. a Bitcoin and he's like, I, so and every I day, didn't have the way to access yeah. it, the rest of my life would have an access <laughs> yeah. So he's like, like, he said, like, <laughs> yeah. hey, man, cool apartment. Yeah, it's a little small, but, yeah. you know. I'm the guy who if, didn't. That's asterisk. Yeah. If, 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 I, if I yeah. had that Bitcoin, it would actually be a house. So, he said, so house. he said every day. He said what every day. What do you do for a living? Well, every answer you say besides nothing, it's because of the Bitcoin. Yeah. He said every day I look at this, I look at this old laptop yeah. that I haven't used in years mm-hmm. and sitting there and it's worth Sixty thousand dollars right now. Because yeah. that's it's like an ex-wife that won the custody. You just gotta stare at it. It's like a family photo that you come yeah. across. That laptop. Chris, God, you're worth so much. Chris, just... Bitcoin is a is a is a fun thing to talk about, like from this standpoint. But for it to ever be a thing, it has to be adopted by everyone. And I think we're so far away from something like that. What do you think? I don't know if we're so far away, Tony. Yeah. I mean, you guys talked about Elon Musk. Right, um, he's invested in Bitcoin. You have banks now that are starting to accept Bitcoin as currency. I think it's becoming more and more accepted. Um, I learned a little bit about Bitcoin about a year ago because I had a friend that was involved um, in that. 
Um, Gabe, you know how we always talk about in the black community about mm-hmm. inf- keeping the dollars within the community yes. and uh, growing the community that way? Mm-hmm. Well, it was a person that started an African-American-based uh, um, uh, encrypted coin. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that's yeah. a good idea. That's one way that you really can hmm. grow generational wealth oh. and, and help the community. Um, instead of the kind of the way that they're talking about keeping the dollars in, commun- in the community, which is a, a little, lot more difficult. Than I'm that. impressed, so Chris. I, I think I think it's something that we're going to see, Tony, nice. just because the technology um, doesn't is uh, good to uh, not allow counterfeiting. I, I as we go and as we get more and more in the 21st century with all this sophisticated counterfeiting stuff with these bills and stuff, I think you're going to see more and more encrypted uh, currencies. I was I, I I was am a little surprised that you were as open to it as you are. That's oh, yeah. really interesting. Yeah. We got to wrap it up. That's going to do it for this show. Uh, make sure you check out Gabe Saint John the Philosopher on the Saint John the Philosopher YouTube channel. Uh, it is one of my go tos. Great stuff there. Make sure you check him out over there. And for producer Jake and Chris Arps, I'm Tony Colombo. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Weekend Report. We'll see you back here next week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.